is up? Welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, here for episode 94. Well, actually, I believe it's 95. Episode 95. Uh, any, either way, whatever episode number it is. Domino Jose, Jose Bazonio is here with me, as always. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. As always, a lot of talk about this week, which is exciting. And uh, international break continues to rage on in all its glory. Uh, as uh, yeah. as all sorts of Concacaf fans are are well aware of, and uh, yeah, I, I've I've really I, I know I I think I've said this the last like five episodes. I really enjoy international games. That it's actually one of my favorite parts of the game. So I've I've really enjoyed this pr- prolonged week or, or break rather where where we've had a ton of matchups and uh, but lots of lower lead stuff to talk about and all that too. So looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, Concacaf to the max. Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday night in El Salvador for the U.S. Um, still, those players probably still finding mud in places where they didn't even know they had places uh, after that one. Uh, but yeah, just again, it's one of those things that makes the international break kind of unique, and especially in Concacaf, is you know you you wrap up a two week long camp with a road match in El Salvador in a mud pit. I mean, probably not the ideal situation for the for the players on the American side. Uh, but they seemed excited when they got the equalizer. They made the most of it. Um, and now the focus turns back to league action, to MLS action for those players who are in season. And maybe, just maybe, some of the uh, some of the European players can uh, get a little bit of a mini vacation, mini break, uh, before their uh, respective seasons start here in just a couple months. But, yeah, as you mentioned, Dom, a lot of news to get to. And before we do that, some quick housekeeping, we'll jump into it. Um, If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do. If you are a subscriber to the podcast, uh, we kindly ask that you tell a friend, tell somebody else who's interested in Minnesota soccer that might not be subscribed about us, about 10,000 pitches. Uh, We think kind of our unique nature of not only covering Minnesota United, but really devoting a lot of time to covering the lower leagues and bringing a spotlight to um, the underbelly of Minnesota soccer, if you will, Um, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people who check out sodasoccer.com and just listen to the podcast in general tell us how much they love that angle that we take. So if you think somebody else might be interested in listening to this sort of unique angled podcast, please let them know. That would be awesome. Also, leave us a rating and review if you have not yet as well. Oh, and follow us on Twitter, at SodaSoc. <laughs> there you go. That's that. That's the biggest one. That's the biggest one. Subscribing, rating, and review. Follow us on Twitter. That's where the real action is. <laughs> Um, make sure you check out sodasoccer.com as well. Domino Jose Bazonio and the team do an excellent job bringing you the latest Minnesota soccer coverage in written form, and you get it here in audio and podcast form. Um, and we're going to jump right in, Dom. It is a, a packed slate of things to talk about in the Minnesota soccer scene this week. And it kicks off with arguably the biggest story in American soccer in a while. And that is we finally have a and I, it's not even really a television deal. It's a streaming <laughs> right deal between right. Major League Soccer and Apple. This is 10 years starting next year. And every MLS match can be seen via Apple TV. MLS will be sort of creating a, a, a streaming service within the Apple TV platform that you can watch every single MLS match. If you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber, you can get select matches behind that paywall as well. But Apple TV Plus doesn't get you the entire slate. 
um, it'll be that separate sort of MLS streaming service. Uh, and then also the free version of Apple TV will have select matches throughout the season as well. There is still the possibility and in all likelihood, there will be other uh, rights deals in place for MLS in 2023 and beyond with the likes of ESPN, Fox, Univision, um, all of those. So, uh, but Apple TV, for sure, this MLS streaming service behind Apple TV will have all the games 100%. And if they're also on ESPN, then they'll be simulcasts, uh, things like that. Pretty historic, uh, just if, if, when you're talking about American sports in general, a pretty historic deal here where a streaming service is the number one outlet that that sport and that league will be seen on. It's sort of the the next step in the evolution of how we view sports. Now, the flip side of this is that the local channels, the regional sports networks, the the over-the-air channels that you've traditionally been able to see some MLS teams and MLS games in the past, i.e. Valley Sports North and CW Twin Cities here uh, in Minnesota, those are out. You're not going to be able to watch any MLS matches on those platforms. It'll all be behind Apple TV, historic, unique. Dom, your initial thoughts. Yeah, you know, I. so, okay. Uh, I'm going to put this in two parts because I, I know already that the it's it's been leaked that I'm not a huge fan of this. And it's not... It's been leaked? You tweeted leaked. it. So, what do you mean it's been leaked? I don't know who tweeted that. Uh, no. Uh, I, I think... There, so there's people that are very happy with this, people that are neutral, people that are unhappy. For me, I think it's it's important to clarify that the things I'm unhappy about are not me thinking the whole thing's horrible or that the previous deal was good. So I, I want to get that out of the way first. I think that the situation that was created by ESPN Plus as the hub for the league was a disaster. It was, it, I mean, needing... <laughs> Needing things like VPNs to watch your own team play, no matter where they're playing, by the way, away, home, whatever, is is bullshit. It doesn't make it sense. It, it's it's cutting people out of the most basic form of enjoying their team. Um, it was it was it was a horrible deal, and I actually think it damaged uh, the league. I, I think it damaged people's ability to access it. I, I know lots of people, there was a point where I was one of them who would just go long periods of time without keeping up with what Minnesota United was even doing because there was just no way to watch them unless we had this perfect setup of certain programs and certain you know, subscriptions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And the fact that the lead ever signed up for that is very uh, suspicious or questionable um this deal getting rid of that whole blackout issue is amazing it is wonderful wonderful and it's going to make it a lot easier for people to see games and so on that whole half of it i i love that i love that they're dealing with a problem that was easily the biggest problem in mls broadcasting overall just generally nationwide so that's awesome um because i want people to be able to watch the damn team i mean what's the point of all this if you can't watch a damn team yeah I also just think that it's um, unnecessary and and harmful to certain parties to basically cut out 
local media just out of the whole party, which is what it seems like is happening. Now, I, I, there, there's things that are not clear yet, and there's things kind of being reported differently by different people. So there's there's things that we kind of need to wait and see quite how they play out. Here's um, what I we know, know in that regard, yeah. you, there still will be local radio right. broadcasts. And there will actually be via Sam Stagegoal and Paul Tenorio's reporting on this for The Athletic, which if you're an Athletic subscriber and you have not read their sort of unpacking of this mm-hmm. rights deal, it is it is amazing. It's where I got pretty much all the information uh, that I put in the notes. Matthew Johnson sort of unpacked that uh, from a Minnesota United perspective for SodaSoccer.com, which is really good as well. But this is all stems from this athletic piece. Um, and basically what they said was, you know, you, you still get local radio. So that's where the local media comes into play. And furthermore, the Apple TV, the, the MLS platform will actually have sort of a, a feature that allows you to mute the Apple TV audio and listen to the radio broadcast while you're watching the Apple TV broadcast. So Which there will great. be some Which interesting things to keep the local media in there. But But you are correct. Local TV, regional sports networks, OTA networks channels, they're they're cut out of this deal completely. You are right yeah. with that. And 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 I'm I'm glad that you you did clarify that because I certainly think that the inclusion of that through like radio and then through the uh, adjustment to the broadcast, having some sort of angle for that local flavor is certainly better. But my concerns for for cutting out local media extend beyond a couple um, on screen or on mic talents. That, so I, I appreciate that people are bringing that up as a counterpoint, but that's not really the extent of my concern. Those people probably would end up getting work somehow anyway. Yeah. I, my, my concern, more, and you know, look, I know that all of this pulls into just a general conversation and a downward conversation people kind of have about like local media and cable and all that stuff. And I get that. I just don't think that the realities of all that mean that we have to celebrate more of it happening and to me it's not a thing to celebrate that that is continuing to happen um because it it, while while this deal does again expand that viewership uh capability in this great way like i i was just talking about and i love that it's while it's doing it it's kind of cutting out a little corner as it walks away Mm -hmm. uh and that to me is unnecessary and, and and harmful at least to some people um so you know i it, it, in my preferred world that wouldn't have happened and local media would still have a larger uh role to explore in all this i wish that was the case it's obviously not the case and it's too late for that to change um so you know i i, I guess my final thoughts are just that i'm glad that they're addressing a lot of the issues with the previous deal i think it's really fantastic that they did i just wish that in the process they hadn't decided to sort of make new problems in my opinion mm-hmm. Here's what here's what I like about this. And I already kind of tweeted this and made it very, very apparent. I'm very bullish on this. I think this I think this could really end up if MLS does this right from a production standpoint and really makes the most of this. I think this could be a historic step forward in MLS actually leading the charge in American sports and how American sports fans consume those sports moving forward, not just soccer talking major league baseball. They're already having Friday doubleheaders on Apple TV. Um, I could see the NHL going this route as well. Uh, I don't know about the NFL and the NBA. Um, They have pretty lucrative TV deals already in place with national and regional broadcasting. But um, I, I like that this is for one, 
access, right? As you mentioned, being able to watch the team and having a simple way of watching your team. Do you have Apple TV's MLS streaming service? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Great. You can watch your team. The answer is no. Sorry, you can only watch some games, right? Um, So access and simplicity, one. Two, I actually, as much as I hate to say this, and this kind of contradicts one of your points, Dom, is uh, from a just a Bally perspective, just seeing this through the Minnesota United lens of their history with Bally Sports North, I am very, very glad that we won't have to deal with that anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry if anybody listening to this podcast works for Bally Sports North. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure you're great. I'm sure you have a great experience at your job, but objectively Bally Sports North was not a great partner to Minnesota United. There have been a handful of games. I would say almost double digit matches over the last two seasons where you have not been able to see the, at least the kickoff, if not a majority of the first half, because there was some sort of error with the app or something else was on in its place. It was just very, very, and they were always relegated to Bally Sports Plus when uh, when a Twins game was on or a Timberwolves game was on or whatever. If another Minnesota sports team was playing, sorry, the soccer team's relegated, right? That's not happening anymore. I like that a lot. Yeah. Again, kind of furthering the access. My third and final reason, and there are a lot of reasons, but to just simplify this for, for time's sake on this podcast, this is ambitious as hell. Like this is, uh, and this is sort of echoing the point that I made before, but I mean, having a partner like Apple, Apple, the arguably the biggest company on the planet, right. aligning yourself with them and sort of having dibs on just all the ways that they can connect with people and finding inroads in that way with Major League Soccer I think is going to be huge for this league's footprint. Will you get the casual fan flipping through the channels? No, but I don't think you were getting them anyways. What was the, what was ESPN's national TV viewership? 290 something thousand is the average this year. Less right. than 300,000 for a national television channel. It's you after for this long, this has been an eight year deal that has been in place to this point uh, with uh, MLS and ESPN and Fox and, you know, the current TV deal that's in place. It's going on for about eight years, approximately, give or take. Um, And you're not even getting 300,000 average for matches on ESPN, at least. You weren't getting those people anyway. So why not cater, A, cater to the fans that are watching you? Um, Another aspect that we haven't talked about, if you're a full season ticket holder for any MLS team, you get the streaming service for free, which I think is freaking awesome i think that's a a great little perk to throw in there um but i i think going back to my point this is ambitious and i think that it 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 gives you a way to expand your footprint it rewards the fans who are watching you and following you by giving them a simple way to view your product and i also think that leveraging apple actually gives you a greater chance to pull more quote unquote casuals in than what you've been doing with ESPN and Fox and FS1, because it just hasn't been that increase that I think you were hoping you would get in those eight years. Absolutely. And I, I definitely to, to, to 
slide over to your side a bit on this, as I do agree at this point. I think, you know, the fact that as far as I know, uh, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first soccer league for Apple to make this sort of agreement mm-hmm. with, um, for that certainly was not the case when ESPN did it. Obviously, ESPN had had broadcasting deals related to other leagues around the world already at that point. Um, for For MLS to be the way Apple steps into this, and I know Apple already has some agreements with other sports, but in terms of soccer, uh, which obviously is a sort of a unique uh, brand given its globalness, um, for MLS to be the way they enter that is a really interesting just marketing moment, branding moment. Um, and, and to your point, I do think it shows uh, a real sense of ambition and um, sense of strength uh mls's mm-hmm. part which is very encouraging in terms of the growth of the league uh so yeah i mean i i i think it's a really exciting move for for mls as a whole i also by the way i do certainly agree that valley sports was not the best home for the teams that it was the home for mm-hmm. um in case anyone thought i didn't think that i think we all think that uh but uh but no i yeah i think moving forward my 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 other thoughts aside, I do think it's going to be really interesting to see how, how Apple and MLS put this together, what it looks like, the quality, how that grows and changes over time. Um, you know, especially if this this app launches well and works well right away, I, I I think it could be a really exciting moment for the league. And and you know, MLS is is all about growth more than really any other soccer league because of the nature mm-hmm. of of its existence. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that they make the most of this and that it it proves to be as accessible as as it's supposed to be. Um, and I, I look forward to to watching Minnesota United on on Apple TV. And from a Minnesota United perspective, a, a few notes as of now, um, Callum Williams and Kendra de Saint Aubin will not be your play by play broadcasters uh, next year. They're, they they say Apple says they're bringing in approximately thirteen to fourteen. Uh, you know, uh, broadcasting teams to come in and do various matches. Um, but it doesn't seem like they'll be dedicated to specific teams because there's obviously only going to be one broadcasting team per match, no matter who's playing. Um, and obviously 14 broadcasting teams, there are a lot more than 14 teams in the league. So um, they're, uh, so I don't think they'll be dedicated to specific teams. Um, obviously, there'll probably be some names you know in that. Um, I think if Cal and Kendra wanted to take that next step, I mean, you, you, you see Kendra on, uh, on ESPN MLS broadcasts and U.S. Women's National Team broadcasts. And she even broadcast the matches in the Women's World Cup a couple of years back. So if she wanted to take this next step and sort of be part of this, I think she obviously uh, would be qualified. Uh, to do so. Um, same with Callum. Callum. Uh, he's obviously one of the best objectively, not even looking at this from the loons lens, but just, you know, having ESPN plus and watching all these other matches, nothing against these other play-by-play broadcasters, but for my money, Cal's the best MLS play-by-play regional play-by-play broadcaster in the league. Um, so I would have to imagine he's probably, he would be on a short list for a place like Apple uh, in terms of if they want uh, him on the broadcast as well. But um, that's all speculation, obviously. We know nothing about that. But it doesn't seem like we'll get the Cal and Kendra pairing uh, for Minnesota United matches next year on TV. Again, there's local radio now. um, So it depends on what the teams want to invest in that local part. Um, 
I guess the, the clubs will also have an option to have their own sort of pre pregame show, if you will, ahead of the national pregame show that will happen on Apple. Another cool portion of this, and we're just kind of skipping around and going all over the place, but there's so much information on Pat and so much information that just keeps popping back into my head. Um, so I don't know if you are familiar with NFL red zone, Dom. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, they, they, Sundays, they whip around the entire league where the action's happening. Someone's about to score a touchdown. They'll cut to that match. There is now going to be a similar whip around show for MLS on this Apple TV streaming service. Um, and to sort of make that, make that happen and make that more convenient, we're now going to have solidified start times um, mm-hmm. league-wide moving forward now too, which I think everybody's happy with. Wednesday and Saturday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern are going to be sort of your, your solidified start times now. No, Saturdays at 1 p.m., Sundays at 4 p.m., Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Um, you know, and then that is, that is pending on um, other broadcasters and stadium availability and things like that. But for the most part, you're going to have those Wednesday, Saturday evening time slots filled in. And it's going to be like the uh, decision day pretty much every week because every team is going to be playing at the same time. So I think that adds to the excitement level as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential here. And I think a lot of that, obviously it's going to be up to, up to the league to bring that production value, but obviously some, the teams will have some freedom to add their own flavor to it as well. So I'm very interested to see what Minnesota United does in that regard um, as well. But all in all, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what this could be. But with only eight months until the 2023 season starts, that's not a lot of time to put this together. But I'm I'm interested, to say the least. Um, any other any other thoughts on this before we move on, Dom? Uh, yeah, you know, just off of that last night, you kind of had like, yeah, the the turnover for this is going to be interesting. For what it's worth, if there was probably like one company I had to throw in to manage like a crazy eight month crunch to get this done, it'd probably be Apple. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, probably in as good of a pair of hands as it, as it can be. So yeah, again, I, I'm really interested to see what this all ends up looking like. I mean, we're all, you know, all the positives and negatives that are being such an hour are really based on sort of some text and hypotheticals. So, uh, mm-hmm. I look forward to just being able to talk about what's actually be happening on TV screen and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that'll be a good product. And as I mentioned, Matthew Johnson, writer at SodaSoccer.com, really sort of unpacks this information in a very consumable way, presents it, uh, you know, in a, in a way that that really is is focused on how it affects Minnesota United fans specifically. So if you haven't checked that out, go to SodaSoccer.com and do that. But speaking of Minnesota United, we are now going to move on and talk about the team itself um, and the friendly against uh, Paderborn. Um, it was a 4-3 win for the Loons. Um, positives, Azeel Jackson played very, very well. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's gotten first team chances before in the U S open cup and things like that, but this is really his first time back with the first team since he's been absolutely tearing it up in M and UFC too. He's the top chance creator in the league, actually. And our very own Jacob Schneider actually has a really good feature on Azeel for MLS next pro. So if you go to MLSnextpro.com. You can check out that feature from Jacob, but he comes in, scores a really, really nice direct free kick goal in in the win. Negative though, 
Roman Metnair once again. He he gets you know, he, he gets back from his from his hamstring, and for I believe the third appearance in a row, he pulls up not long after um, you know the match starts. The interesting part about this, and the unfortunate part of the even more unfortunate part about this is this is the opposite hamstring to the one that has been giving him the issues. So not only is it a is it it's not really a re-aggravation, it is now almost a new injury. And right. that just, I mean, who knows what his future holds. He had been out for a, a, a couple months before this and this was just really kind of getting his feet back under him getting him back with the team in preparation for a really really crucial and important stretch run of the mls season sort of a second half of the mls season if you will um but obviously he pulls up comes off um his future very much in doubt as far as minnesota united is concerned yeah it's rough it's really rough i think you know everyone around this team really wants uh, roman mentoner to be able to be part of this team again and and you know wants to be able to enjoy his soccer because for a couple of years there he was such a big part of this team's identity and he's everyone's favorite footballer from Madagascar um and it's just so unfortunate that you know this continues to sort of cascade in this way you know I apologize I'm not a licensed physical therapist but you know you do hear of people injuring the opposite of the thing they have injured yeah, in the past they, the they become reliant exactly and then yeah. you know certainly hamstrings and your legs in general that's you know when one leg is hurt you're gonna put more weight on the other leg etc um and so unfortunately you know some form of that seems to have happened here and uh it's just really rough because i i think everyone had their fingers crossed of this specific thing not happening mm-hmm. <laughs> this one specific game and it I mean, it just happens right away um so it's really it's really unfortunate hopefully whatever the resolution of of this is for him is is something manageable and something approachable i'm not sure that's going to be what happens but i hope so uh for his for his sake really more than anything else uh, you know the the teams that will survive but i i hope that um for his own well for his own well-being that 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 he can uh heal in an effective way soon um so that that that's an absolute bummer uh on, on the flip side of that the, the bright side as you said you know we talked uh, i guess it would have been last episode about this game and how we really hoped that we saw uh one obviously the first team be involved but two saw a lot of sort of second teamers mnufc2 guys get involved get minutes get a chance to to explore this level of opposition and that's what we got which is really great i mean tons of guys various periods of the match uh from yeah. one end of the pitch to the other from from fred emmings to uh, israel jackson you know you, you got a real range of exposure which is which is awesome that's what you really want to make out of these kinds of games um, and in jackson's case really cool to cap that off with a great goal uh so you know the overall match and you and you, you got guys like Luis Amaria kind of you know get a goal maybe help his confidence a little bit. Um, overall, the match actually I think went very well. Obviously, defensively, I guess it could have been a little better, but it's also a friendly and that tends to happen in these kinds of games. Yeah. Um, the that that one big problem mark hiding in the in the scoreline is is, is that Roma Metinner injury. Um, but aside from that, I think there's a lot to be happy about. 
We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of positives to take from it. And I think... The energy of the team was good. That's what you want to see. Um, you saw guys really, really excited to have that opportunity. Um, P- Paderborn looked looked really good as well. Definitely a formidable opponent for the Loons. Um, well attended to great atmosphere for a friendly um, at Allianz Field. So I think all in all positive, but obviously with the caveat that you have that uh, Madden injury. Now, if you're Minnesota United looking forward, y- you need a right back, I think, at this point, right? I think uh, you know the 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 patched together back line that they have uh, really I think done well with in the early part of the season. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily a, a long term solution and a long term answer. Um, I think O'Neill Fisher has been great. Um, I think uh, you know DJ Taylor is starting to you know, really start to to get his feet under him. But I think if you're Minnesota United. Uh, a Roman Metinier or greater caliber right back is is what you really need to solidify this back line. Um, and so you have a you know transfer window coming up in July. Maybe you make a move there. Um, I would I, I would hope to see a, a defender come in it's in some way, shape, or form. Um, I know goal scoring has been the issue, but um, this is the team that's always led from the back, and, and obviously Metinier is a huge omission to that lineup. And being that you know. I guess I'm I'm speculating here when I say this, but it almost seems like a semi-permanent omission, at least as far as the 2022 season goes. So um, definitely look out for some moves to be made now for Minnesota United in that in that summer transfer window. But um, speaking of internationals, um, international duty just wrapped up for Minnesota United and the five players who were on international duty um, this month. Um, the biggest match, obviously, was Michael Boxall on New Zealand taking on former Loon Francisco Calvo, everybody's favorite former Loon Francisco Calvo, and Costa Rica. And Dom, we didn't want to be right, but we were right. <laughs> it was Costa Rica coming out with the win. So no Michael Boxall in the World Cup, unfortunately. Seems like Dane St. Clair, if he makes the uh, the World Cup roster for Canada, which seems like a very, very good bet at this point, knock on wood, um, that he will be the only loon representing uh, Minnesota United uh, in the World Cup with Canada. But, I mean, it was a very competitive match, um, but all in all, it was Costa Rica who got it done. And uh, so Boxall 
will now come back and uh, and uh, return to Minnesota United. Unfortunately, he will not be going to Qatar, which is a huge bummer. It would have been awesome to see Boxall uh, represented in the World Cup, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it's too bad, and it's too bad that he um, didn't get uh, get on the pitch for this one. To be perfectly frank, I'm not sure I agree with the starting back line that New Zealand picked. Oh yeah, um, okay, that's another thing. That's I didn't put that in the notes. How do you not start him? Yeah, when you How look at the guys they started ahead of him, it's a little... most important match. I know he doesn't normally start. Uh, I guess traditionally for New Zealand, but uh, come on, I mean. It was a little weird, and, and look, uh, maybe maybe the his age is, was a, a factor in that decision. But they start um, uh, Nando Pijnacker. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say her last name. Who plays in the League of Ireland, which is okay. Um, and then they 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 played Winston Reid, who's who's an accomplished player, but he's out. He's not even with a club right now. He's been like a free agent for a year. And you're starting those two guys, and he's off an injury too. I think he was injured like a couple months ago. And you're starting those two guys over an informed defender in MLS. And the third defender was an MLS defender, so it's not like they don't like MLS. It just—I don't know. I—I I, I know it's easy to say that now that they've—they've they've lost and they conceded early and all that, but I—I I just wonder if maybe they made the wrong choice there. All of that being said, Costa Rica are a, a fantastic team, just full of talent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have, uh, while this might will probably be his last World Cup, but they have, you know, one of the best ever CONCACAF players probably in of all time in Navas. Um, and, and they just build back, build up from there um, with, with tons of talent that have MLS exposure, European exposure, sometimes domestic exposure um, in Costa Rica. So it's a really good side. And, and yeah, you know, like you kind of said, I think everyone kind of thought this is, is the way it would go. It especially felt like after Australia upset Peru, it felt mm-hmm. like this had to kind of happen. It kind of felt like you can't have two Oceania teams. Two of them, in, yeah, the uh, two of them weren't going to make it. It just, yeah. it just didn't feel possible. <laughs> um, so you know, it is what it is. It's too bad. Um, at the same time, I, I do look forward to kind of following Costa Rica um, in the World Cup. Uh, None of them play for United now, and a lot of them left on uncertain terms, but lots of Costa Ricans have played for Minnesota United. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of connections there, and a lot of those guys are actually still in the squad. Um, and so I, I do look forward to, to sort of seeing how they do and how they represent CONCACAF alongside uh, the likes of the U.S. and Mexico. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's too bad for New Zealand, but I do think that, uh, that Costa Rica is an exciting side. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Michael Boxel can can recover from from the unfortunateness of that and uh, and come back and perform for Minnesota United. What an interesting role that New Zealand plays in the World yeah. Cup qualifying cycle. It's like basically every four years, you basically are gonna. I mean, you you have a qualifying you know cycle that you go through, but basically it's yeah. like every four years. Okay, you're gonna play basically play one match. If you win the match, yeah. you go to the World Cup. If you lose, you're out. Sorry. It's always going to come yeah. down to that one match. You can't just qualify like every other team. You have to play a a make or break uh, qualifier every four years. Yeah. Um, and well, you can lit- it's the one part of the world where you can literally destroy your entire fe- your entire uh, region, federation, whatever. The entire OFC. You can destroy the entire thing. 
and then you're Which not New Zealand, in the World Cup. Traditionally, I'm going to say they destroy yeah. him, but they usually come out atop that or in that. And they usually are winning those games incredibly comfortably. You know, yeah. I mean, that that's just, that's the truth of it. Every now and then you'll see that. I, I remember like, gosh, like 10 years ago, Tahiti won the Oceania's version of like the Gold Cup and they went to the mm-hmm. Confederations Cup because of it and they like got destroyed by you know, everybody. But, you know, there's upsets that happen, but New Zealand are almost guaranteed to get that playoff game. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, more often than not, they actually don't make the World Cup because I know they have to deal with this really big match against this, you know, whoever it is, a South American team usually. It's like, oh mm-hmm. man, I feel bad for these guys. So they've just won like 10 games in a row and they don't get yeah. to go to the World Cup <laughs> because of because of this. So it, it's unfortunate. I I don't off the top of my head, I don't recall, but I, I imagine when the size of the World Cup changes, maybe the OFC will benefit from that a little bit. Um I would hope so. I would hope they like get like an automatic berth. Yeah, like just one automatic spot at least. But you know, but um, anyway. So yeah, it, it's too bad. It's why, by the way, it, it's it's part of why Australia left the OFC and joined the AFC yeah. because even though they dominated it, you still got screwed at the end of the cycle usually because you had to play these crazy. And I, you know, Australia this year had to do that, but normally they wouldn't have to if they just did well in their in their AFC mm-hmm. group. But uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, lots of drama, and, and I, I wish Michael Botts was in the World Cup, but New Zealand have a, a very unfortunate um, way of getting to Qatar this, this time. Now the international uh, players return, and you get set to get back to MLS play. Seems like it's been forever since uh, Minnesota United has played an MLS match. The last time they were um, you know, in a competitive matchup, was that unfortunate one nil loss to NYCFC where we were just happy to get to the international break at that point. Uh, but now you have a chance to sort of flip, t- flip the page, turn the page and a really good opportunity to make a statement right off the bat in the quote unquote second half of the season, you go to no to new England. I almost said no England, new England revolution on Sunday um, this was originally supposed to be a Sunday evening matchup. I was very excited. You know, I got Father's Day plans on Sunday. So it's like, okay, we'll get all those out of the way. We'll settle in for a, uh, you know, Sunday primetime matchup. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, you, you, We now kick off at 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, not a fan of this kickoff time change. Not sure why it's happening. Um it's not, I don't know if somebody has a, a, a movie to catch in the evening or, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, really, like, why why would you move from the, the evening to the middle of the day on a holiday? That just makes no sense to me. But anyways, um, alas, it will be a 4 p.m. Central Time kickoff. I will be watching. There will be post news afterwards. Um, and... One note, Luis Amaria did feel, uh, I guess, a little tweak in his knee um, during, uh, I believe it was training. Yeah, it was training today. No, not not training today. Sorry, I'm all over the place. It was tra- uh, training uh, earlier um, in this uh, international break, um, but somewhat recently. Felt a little twinge in his knee, basically, um, during uh, training, but he was he was back today on Wednesday at time of recording per Andy Grader. Um, and he was back training um, as normal. So um, unless something happens between now and Sunday, I would expect to have him in the lineup as normal. Um, not sure what that injury report is going to look like. There were some guys who were training off to the side and things like that, but for the most part, again, knock on wood, 
seems like the loons may have a, uh, you know, a somewhat healthy roster heading into that second half and it starts in a big way in new England. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's an important game to have as much health in the roster as possible. New England have actually already started playing, um, MLS Fishers again, and they've had some good results. So that's, you know, someone you gotta be really ready to play. Uh, hopefully someone like Amaria is, is, is available and also feeling well, physically, mentally, um, obviously still sort of searching for, uh, some form this season. And, and if he could find some, that would, that would be a huge help to Minnesota United. Uh, and yeah, you know, after this, the last couple of episodes, we've, our conversations around MLS have mostly just kind of been about players off doing stuff and kind of fun times, but it's, it's uh, time to return to the reality that this team is in a really difficult position uh, in terms of recent results. And, uh, you know, folks are, are, are waiting to see what will guide them out of it. Uh, a result against New England certainly could be a big part of that. You got a lot of players who some who stayed home and, and or rather stayed with Minnesota United and have had some minutes in, you know, against Paderborn and stuff like that. Then you have guys that obviously have gone off to Finland and Trinidad and Tobago and, and all over, in, uh, well, not to New Zealand, but to Qatar with New Zealand. You know, you have guys that have gone all over the place, uh, gone minutes, important minutes, important time on the pitch and, you know, you hope that they all can return and, and be ready to, to perform for this team. Uh, you know, after what feels like forever ago, the, the Omaha loss, the NYC loss, um, it, we got to kind of remember that uh, there's a lot of folks that are upset with the form of this team. And uh, those issues are not addressed yet. So, you know, everyone's coming back from vacation, quote unquote, but, uh, now, now it's time to lock in and get the work done because, uh, things still do need to change if, if this team is, you know, expecting to, to meet the expectations that have been placed over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Finding goals obviously is, yeah. is one of the bigger things that, that needs, uh, needs adjusted and, and the Minnesota United needs to figure out if they're going to crawl back into a, into a playoff race that, you know, depending on early results here, they could find themselves very much in or very much out of pretty quickly because you're on 18 points right now if you're Minnesota United. You are only one off the playoff line. However, that team in seventh is Seattle, and they got two things going for them. A, they're playing incredible 4-0 win in their return match against Vancouver from the international break, uh, but also they have a game in hand as well because they're still catching up on games from missing MLS action when they were in the CONCACAF Champions League. So not only do you have a game in hand, not only are you playing well um, if you're Seattle, but that that could spell trouble for Minnesota because after Seattle, you get to Nashville in sixth, they're on 23 points. That's a pretty big jump, a four-point jump between seventh and sixth. That means you're sort of five points off that sixth-place spot already. So, and this is a Western conference that is, that is proving to be um, very different than it was last year. A lot of high quality teams. Um, and so it's very, very important for Minnesota to get off on the front foot. Um, a result in new England. I don't want to call it necessary because again, we are still, you know, less than four months away. Uh, you know, there's still less than four months left of the season, but I mean, if let's say you don't get a result in New England, Seattle, Nashville, Houston, Galaxy, 
all win or all get results, that makes that hill even much more difficult to climb. So yeah. I think it's important to get off on, on the right foot and on, on the front foot. It's not going to be easy, but um, hopefully this international break has sort of given this uh, Minnesota United team an opportunity to hit the reset button. And maybe we'll see a bit of a, a, a different story on the attack come Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you, you noted them. So I'm going to note them as well, because even in, in the preseason, I thought that their arrival in the Western conference would be a big problem. That's Nashville. Uh, you know, this is a Nashville team that in the East was pretty much consistently a playoff team right from the bat. And the fact that they're now in the West taking up space, you know, I think a lot of people thought would be a huge problem for the kind of team that Minnesota United seem to be right now, which is uh, a team that's probably going to hit the lower half of the playoff spots uh, in the West. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's proving to be a, a, a huge obstacle. The, if you take Nashville out of this conference, every team's season changes and it gets yep. better. Uh, so, yeah, some, some, some serious obstacles in, in Minnesota United's way, both in terms of internally the form of this team, but also just the fact that other teams are stepping up and taking advantage of the space that the Loons are kind of allowing to be created around them. Uh, but, you know, that's... That's what you have to be up against in this league. That's what you have to be better than to be successful. Uh, I, I think this team still has to think playoffs must happen. Uh, if they don't, I, I think that's an in, uh, incredibly rough mark on where this team has come to after the last couple of years. So uh, they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to find ways, like you said, to get the ball in the back of the net uh, more often or at all. And, uh, you know, I don't quite know what the solution to that is yet. Uh, I don't think anyone does. I hope that they do. Uh, and, and we'll see. Jacob Schneider has a good piece on uh, how this international break was very, very, or in, in Adrian Heath's words, very, very valuable for this Minnesota United team. We'll see if that value transitions to the second half of the MLS season, which does kick off Sunday, 4 p.m. Central Time kickoff. Post-Loons will be live on the Soda Soccer YouTube and Twitter channels immediately, or I should say immediately following, about a half hour after that final whistle. All right, let's transition to lower league, Dom, and we're going to start in the USLW League with Minnesota Aurora um, and a big, big weekend for the Aurora. Um, they hosted Chicago City. For two matches at TCO Stadium, one on Friday, one on Sunday. Two wins, seven to one goal differential in those two wins. A three to one win on Friday, four nil win on Sunday. Um, they remain undefeated and go top of the table, but not just top of the table on goal differential. Like they're solidly top of the table with 13 points now in the Heartland Division. Um, I was at the game on Friday. Um, and it was my first time seeing this team in person. I had watched uh, a couple of their uh, you know, first few matches on the streams um, and on uh, CBS uh, News Minnesota. Um, obviously, that first match at TCO, the, the team was you know, a, a bit nervous. They hadn't found that cohesiveness, that fluidity yet. But they found it. Um, they, they probably found it on their road trip. But they brought it back to TCO Stadium on Friday. Much more in sync in the attack than you saw in those first couple matches, really found their footing. Um, just constant one-two touch passing. That was just absolutely superb. Um, Sangman Cha gets two goals on the weekend. Shout out to her. 
Um, then you get McKenzie Langdock and Maya Hansen each getting their second respective goals of the season as well. Maya Hansen is a problem for opposing teams. She's the kind of the, the solid, solid number one striker for this uh, Minnesota Aurora team now. And she has been absolutely incredible in the early going, um, really making things happen, getting a couple goals herself. And this Aurora team now, especially after these two wins, are just absolutely clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely. It's really uh, encouraging to see them just continue to, to build momentum. And every time you think that they probably reached the peak of that, they seem to figure out a new way to to draw it further. And and like you said, now they've they've been they've found their consistency. They've been getting their results, and they've shown the patience to wait for Green Bay to drop points, which is what happened this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're they're top of the table, and I would. Uh, I do not envy the folks that have to try to catch up to them now. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't see this team dropping too many points. I mean, I'm sure at some point they'll happen again, but uh, the way they're playing, the games they've already gone out of the way, uh, mm. I, I think they should be very confident in, uh, in what they can do with the rest of the season, season they have in front of them. Uh, and like you said, you, know, you point out a couple of players there. I mean, just this group seems to really be forming, really finding its strengths just from top to bottom uh they just they generally just seem to be one of the best groups in this is this conference and and you know i i don't know if we noted it in our notes but they're in uh, i think they're in like the top five of the power rankings now i mean just league wide they're just kind of showing up as one of the best uh which is great for the impact they want to have in in minnesota soccer and certainly very encouraging for their their league form uh yeah i mean you know, I recall last week we talked, or at least we touched on to some degree, uh, you know, the whole living up to the expectation you set with your branding and your marketing and all that. Uh, and some teams don't do that. Uh, they have very much done that to a degree that I wouldn't have even optimistically expected, really. Uh, mm-hmm. They are just absolutely burning their way through this conference. So, uh, and and their next game, I believe, is against yeah they, their next game is against chicago city or they just beat twice so yeah. <laughs> i think I, I think the train's gonna keep rolling i think the train's gonna keep rolling yeah uh and uh i if you're a if you're a aurora supporter uh or an owner uh i uh i think you made the right move so you have a lot of fun to look forward to i, I believe all right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter 
at Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. Yeah, and, and the importance of sort of getting to the top of the table the way they have. This, is, this, this season is not a marathon akin to USL, you know, the USL league one, USL championship or major league soccer, even NWSL. This is, this season is a sprint because you're now five matches in before zero and one, there are only seven matches left. So you're almost at the halfway point of the season already. And you are now, you know, points ahead at the top of the table. That's very, very crucial. That's like being ahead at the, you know, the 50 meter mark of a 100 meter dash, basically. Like you're putting yourself in a pretty good position and it is only the winner of the Heartland division that gets, um, you know, an automatic spot into the USLW league playoffs. So it's basically, you need to finish at the top or you're not making those national playoffs. So um, Aurora's put themselves in a, in a good position. As you mentioned, they play Chicago city on the road uh, tonight. If you're listening on Friday and then they return home to play call Valley on Thursday on Sunday on the 19th for a 1 PM kickoff at TCO stadium, a couple more shout outs. Um, and this has to do with off the field stuff for Aurora. Um, it's very, very positive. So first to Sarah Fuller, I guess I'll start on the field with Sarah Fuller. Another really good performance on Friday, um, in the three to one win over Chicago city. She wasn't really called upon much on Sunday in the four nil win. Uh, but she has been excellent in goal for, uh, Minnesota Aurora, but obviously she's continuing to, be recognized on a national scale for the barriers that she's helped break um, with her role for the Vanderbilt football team as well. And just this weekend, she was a a major part of a national NIL conference, Um, but she was also, uh, she wasn't inducted into the college football hall of fame, but she has, she, she plays a role now in the college football hall of fame where there's a little section that has kind of her um, I guess like a digital photo of like her jersey and a little blurb about her and the history she made kicking for the Vanderbilt football team so she's part of the college football hall of fame now which is really really cool and uh, obviously well deserved on her part and um, yeah continuing to be recognized in a big way yeah absolutely you know the <laughs> the first thing I you know I had seen uh, video or, or something of that form of, of her at the event and uh uh god is she having a busy summer <laughs> to yes perform, to perform as as well as she is and then to to still be having to do these sort of uh you know press and events and all that sort of stuff uh i'm sure she doesn't mind it it's all part of of the path she's taken but uh wow that's that's quite a bit to to be dealing with all at once but uh mm-hmm. i guess that just emphasizes how good she is uh as a keeper on the pitch you know doing doing the work uh the fact that she can perform as well as she has this has uh, so far this season with with all this other stuff to worry about and think about and plan around uh, that often for other people might get in the way and, and result in a, a lower quality performance. So, yeah, I mean, she's uh, as soon as she was announced, of course, that was a big talking point for, for Minnesota Aurora. But now that she's here, kind of just like we were talking about with the whole team and branding and living up to branding, she's lived up to the branding. 
she's lived up to the hype by all means and, and been a huge part of this team, uh, which is great to have, not just have a sort of uh, a person, a, a sort of historic person be part of the team, but uh, to have her actually end up being such a pivotal part of the actual play uh, is, is what you want out of, you know, signings like that. It's funny, as you mentioned, you're having a big, busy summer. This is a traditionally mid-June, very, very downtime in the world of all <laughs> football, but including college football. Right. Um, so I have to imagine she's at this conference. She's at the College Football Hall of Fame. She's probably talking to me about, oh, how's your summer going? You get a chance to relax? And she's probably like, oh, no, I just had two soccer games this past weekend, came straight here, and I'm going to meet my team in Chicago for, for another match on Friday. So, uh, you know, just going all over the place. But obviously making the most of, of her summer is Sarah Fuller. Um, but we mentioned she was at an NIL conference this weekend. Speaking of NIL, some history made for Aurora and their goalkeeper, Bayless Flynn, as the uh, Adina High School goalkeeper, in addition to being with Minnesota Aurora, has become the first Minnesota high school athlete to sign an NIL deal. Now, this name, image, and likeness um, process, it's evolving. So you, the, the initial one that was passed um, was passed for college athletes, but... Um, there are high school athletes who are 18 years of age. Um, and so they've now sort of in some states, not all states, but uh, a lot of states are starting this movement of applying that to the high school level as well. Um, Minnesota just passed that recently. And uh, Bayless Flynn gets the honor of being the first Minnesota high school athlete to sign that NIL deal. And she partners with fellow Minnesota Aurora partner, True Stone Financial. Um, on Wednesday, um, as we're recording today, there was a, a big event held at one of True Stone Financial's headquarters uh, with Bayless and um, a lot of some media there as well. Um, just a, a, a really cool honor. And it's cool that that soccer is sort of playing center stage in this uh, NIL conversation and the way it's being, way it's being applied to uh, Minnesota high school athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think most people at this point, obviously this at, at certain points has been a very contentious issue, but I think most people at this point understand that uh, the rules that surround pre-professional athletes in the, in this country have needed changing. Yeah. And uh, obviously that's starting to happen. And, and it's great to see that change come to Minnesota to benefit the athletes here. And, and like you said, really cool that uh, a person connected to to soccer in general in Minnesota, a person connected to Minnesota Aurora, a person connected to women's soccer, uh, can can be a big part of that. That's you know that's a, that's a, a great way to make unique history uh, uh, in the state in the country. So hopefully you know this this endeavor all works out for her, and, and hopefully we get to see her some at some point uh, in this uh, W League season as well. But yeah, it's exciting moment for her, and and hopefully sort of foreshadows. Uh, uh, some some good developments for plenty of other athletes just as this, this sort of new uh, world gets explored more and more. Absolutely. Um, moving over to the Wisconsin side of the USLW League, Green Bay Glory, they were kind of neck and neck with Aurora at the top of the Heartland Division table. It was just a matter of which team was going to blink first, and it was the Glory, unfortunately, suffering their first loss of the season 2-0 to Caw Valley at home. Caw Valley now sort of entering that conversation of uh, kind of becoming level there with Green Bay, second in the table. Um, and uh, so they're within striking distance of Aurora, both Green Bay and Caw Valley. So it's not a runaway, runaway wow, words, uh, runaway for Aurora just yet. 
uh, with both Green Bay and Col- Green Bay and Call Valley there. But um, it is the Glory who suffered their first loss to Nilta Call Valley, and they travel now to Call Valley on Friday the seventeenth with a little, with a little uh, chance at revenge there. Um, so that's how things are shaking out in the USLW league. Obviously, before we know it, we're going to be at the end of the season, and one of these teams is going to be representing the Heartland Division in the USLW league playoffs. Transitioning over more USL, but this time to the men's side in USL League Two. St. Croix had an off week uh, this week, but Minneapolis City was in action. They went down to Des Moines, and the the menace got the best of the Crows. Once again, 4-1 the final in West Des Moines. Herbert Endeling gets City's only goal in the 64th minute. Um, And it's another, you know, Minneapolis City still looking for that first USL League Two win. The menace continuing to solidify themselves as the class of not only the uh, Deep North Division, but USL League Two in general being the defending champs. Uh, This is just obviously a menace side that's on an absolute another level from some of these other other clubs, not only in the division, but nationwide. Uh, Minneapolis City got to see that firsthand once again over the weekend. Um, they're, They're making improvements. They're, you know, Continuing to find guys who can make contributions like Endeley. Loj Masanvi has gotten a couple goals at the USL League Two level as well to continue his incredible season. So they're finding little wins in this season in performances, but that just hasn't translated to a win on the scoreboard in USL League Two yet for the Crows. Yeah, and, and look, like, like you were just touching on, the, the fact is that uh... – for anyone that that maybe didn't know for sure if if the Des Moines Men is for real were for real, uh, they're very much for real, <laughs> and uh, yeah. they are just a, an incredibly difficult team to to beat on the day, but to to beat across the season, and uh, that's that's just you know a, a reality that we're all being reminded of uh, now more more closely than before because Minnesota is represented in, in in the conference, but. Uh, yeah, you know, it was it was always going to be a tough year for anybody to get points off of the menace. Certainly, teams that were new to the league, and and certainly a team like Minneapolis City who were doing you know experimenting with this sort of new, uh, not necessarily completely new to them, but new new to do it with three leagues, this multi league system. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, they they did their best to to keep the match competitive, which is encouraging, and and I think probably the main goal of this season is to make sure that they're a competitive team. Uh, they did have the, you know, the additional uh, obstacle that this game was played the same day as an MPSL game. That game, admittedly, was was a, a, a very uh, easily won game uh, by the team that they did play there. It was a very confident win, but uh, but still, I mean, playing two games no matter what is a hell of a thing to deal with. So. Uh, you know, that that's, again, that's another obstacle from, from the experiment they're, they're trying, uh, this year and they're, I'm sure learning from it and, and finding ways to improve for next season. You know, one thing that, uh, is worth noting this year with Minneapolis city, and it was something that actually a person, uh, at the, at the club shared with me that, you know, uh, regarding injuries. Um, is and unfortunately at this level, injury sometimes can be very hard to track just because it's not something that you know pro teams get out the press release every week, and this is not how it works in the NPSL, USL, etc. Um, but you know, City have had uh 
I believe it was 22 different injuries this season that have been at least two weeks of, of out time mm. so far. Uh, now, okay. some of those players weren't playing in USL League Two. You know, obviously they're playing across those three leagues, but they were all. But you know, that that's 22 guys that are all in some way part of that that organization. Yeah, but even if those guys aren't playing in League Two, that can start a domino effect where right. it, it, it doesn't if they're not playing in or they're not playing or yeah. for that USL match. Right, exactly. And so, uh, you know, that's that's a lot. I, mm-hmm. I, as, as someone who's at times been working with a team in the NPSL, I can tell you that 22 is a lot of people to have yeah. long-term injuries. I mean, and two, I know two weeks sounds like two weeks, but I mean, two weeks, there's only, you only play like the, you know, 12 to 15 games a season. So two weeks is a lot of time. Well, uh, and it's also when you're playing in three leagues, that's, you know, that, that could yeah. be nine, 10 matches. Right. You know, and so. I'll tell you, there were people that uh, the list was, I, there were people that had a lot more than two weeks. So, you know, it, it, mm. it's, it's tough. And part of it is obviously reflective of the, the, the stress that comes with this experiment. And, and part of it's probably, a, you know, uh, unlucky situations and, and, and just tough moments with, tackles and so on just in individual matches individual moments but uh you know it's 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 a it's a lot to deal with and i i do think that it's worth keeping that in mind obviously when you see um you know a team that has a reputation for winning not necessarily winning as much you know they're they're, they're dealing with a very unique set of obstacles this season and mm-hmm. uh they're they're certainly doing what they can with it but uh and they're certainly having very bright moments along that that journey and there's still a lot of season left you know who who knows what where they end up on each of these three tables by the end of, of this summer. But uh, you know, that, that, that's the reality of the challenge and that's a reality that they're exploring and dealing with. So uh, again, you know, tough, anytime playing that the menace is going to be tough. Um, but uh, I, I think that I do think that city have plenty of season left to make, uh, make the most of this joining USLE two with results against other teams, and I, you know, I, I think overall the development opportunity that they've made for themselves uh, by joining USL League Two is still incredibly promising. So it's a, a tough weekend, but I think there's going to be some some much better weekends in the future for them. City's USL Two uh, Twin Cities comrades Saint Croix did have a bit of a break in the action, as we mentioned. They are back at it against the Des Moines Menace, hosting them not at Stillwater High School though on Saturday. That game is actually being played in Hudson, Wisconsin. So if you want to go watch St. Croix and Des Moines, um, you know, check your check your local listings, if you will, because uh, the, the game has been moved to Hudson. Um, and then uh, Minneapolis City on Friday, so tonight, if you're listening on Friday, start their Canadian road trip. So in addition to coming off a disappointing loss this week, probably had to do with a lot of paperwork in the Minneapolis City office, getting everything together for their trip north of the border. Uh, they will start things off against the Thunder Bay Chill on Friday. And then uh, Sunday, I believe, they will take on Manitoba. So back-to-back Canadian matches, get them both out of the way in one road trip, and then you return to Minneapolis. Uh, that's how City's taking care of that. I think that's how St. Croix is going to do it a little bit later on in the season as well. So as far as Minneapolis City is concerned, we mentioned the disappointment in the USL League 2 side of things, but... The other two tiers of their sort of uh, triple league system this year did have pretty good weeks. Uh, Minneapolis City dominant on the NPSL side against uh, Lacrosse Ayers, five to one in that match that ran consecutively with the uh, USL League Two match. Um, but at the top of the table, 
Duluth and Med City continuing to solidify themselves as those top two clubs, those playoff clubs, with Duluth surviving a five-goal second-half thriller at Sioux Falls to win 3-2, and then Med City sneaking past Joy Athletic 2-1. So things competitive as always, but the common theme, Duluth and Med City getting three points and staying atop the table. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting because, uh, yeah, like you said, Duluth, Med City, after the first couple of weeks kind of became clear that was sort of the storyline, at least so far this season, and, and it continues to be that way. It's interesting because their, their seasons are, are going very differently in terms of how they're getting where they, where they are, but, uh, but they're just both doing it their own ways and in an effective way. You know, Med City, uh, so Joy took the lead in that game very early, about five minutes in they scored, and then Med City came back and won 2 one and you see that and you think oh wow well you know man they're they're crawling through this lead of the table but Med City's kind of been winning games like this the whole time so yeah. far and they've just narrowed down the way to do that and yeah. and while that doesn't look as good on paper as you know Duluth winning 5-0 and 6-0 fact is Med City have more points right now and, and they're they're doing quite well they're mm-hmm. they're undefeated um that might change but you know they're they're doing it in a pragmatic way i guess is is how some might refer to it but med city have an equation they have they have a a system that they're using and it's working uh so i mean credit to them if they end up winning the conference which is a complete possibility um one will be a big deal because it'll be the first time they've done that but two you know they'll deserve applause for the way they did it which is this really just interesting gritty manner of winning games um on the Duluth side that Sioux Falls game was wild <laughs> um was. Sioux Falls equalized each of Duluth's first two leads within like minutes so one mm-hmm. one zero Duluth one one two one Duluth two two and the the Duluth winner the eventual winner came at gosh I think in like the 85th to 89th minute somewhere in that range um it was just a, a blitz of goals from everybody. Uh, and, and Duluth come up on top and they survived that one and it keeps them in the race. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a, we haven't seen Duluth have to play games like that that much. The only other game they've conceded at all this season was the game they lost against Minneapolis city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we saw in this game that they can concede and, and still figure it out, which is obviously promising for them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, both teams having very different seasons, but they're, they're just finding those points, um, which is what you have to do. Uh, and, and so again, it really sets up when they finally play each other, which I don't know how it happened that they don't play each other till the second half of the season. That's a strange way that that was organized, but, um, both those games, which uh, first one will be in a, soon in a couple of weeks. And then I think the other matchup between the two is one of the last games of the season. Uh, those two games are going to be epic. I mean, they're going to be the ones that decide how this goes. So, uh, I really can't wait for those matchups. I, I think those are going to be ones to watch, uh, digitally or in person whatever is available to people uh but like you said in the meantime you know Minneapolis City are still finding those points they're still making something of this season and then they're still keeping that this or short distance to those top uh performing sides and uh you know in the meantime the twin stars the fusion they're they're figuring things out they're getting points Sioux Falls admittedly uh this week did not find their points but they're certainly uh providing a challenge so you know again I'm I'm really um pleased with how competitive the conference has proven to be this season. Uh, it's been very different than the last couple of years, to be perfectly frank. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny. It feels like so much has happened. We're basically at the halfway point. I am, I'm extremely curious if even the talking points will be the same as they are now in, in five, six games. Who knows what's going to happen in the second half of the season? Yeah. Uh, but so far, it's been an absolute fun time to follow for, for someone like me who is familiar with this conference. Uh, and again, I, I really, really am looking forward to that Duluth-Med City matchup. Yeah, it should be a good one. And speaking of Duluth, we have sort of a, I guess, a resolving of the situation between Duluth and the Cross Heiress and the match earlier this season that was postponed. So um, that match will be three points to Duluth. That that match has sort of officially been forfeited by, <clears throat> by Aris and given to Duluth. Furthermore, the match later this season between Lacrosse, Aris, and Duluth that was supposed to be played at Aris will now be moved and played at Duluth in, instead. And that will be happening in early July. So, um, Duluth gets the three points from the original matchup. Then I'll get to host Eris for the kind of the, the, the return, if you will. Um, so that's how that situation was resolved, but Duluth still has that game in hand. They're four points off the top of the table, but they do have a game in hand, but med city really controls their own destiny. Now at the top of the MPSL North and then twin stars, Minneapolis city, even throw Dakota fusion in there because they have a game in hand as well. Kind of all within that, that that striking distance. They, those are the teams that have a shot if they have a good second half of the season to crawl their way into the top two. It really is sort of a, a two-horse race at the top, if you will, right now with the potential of those three other teams to crawl in if they put some results together in Med City or Duluth Falter. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for what it's worth, uh, you know, look, obviously that top two does seem like what's what's going to be there but for the rest of the season. But for what it's worth, Fusion haven't even played Duluth yet. You know, if if they get some results against Duluth, hey, they can open this up. I mean, they can make things interesting. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's room there's room for interesting things to happen here, by all means, with that mid-table bunch that you named. Uh, but, uh, but you know, as, as we've been saying, it does seem like like Duluth and Mid-City are, are sort of the teams to, to beat. Uh, but, you know. Fusion got results against the likes of, of Minneapolis City. They've gotten a, a point off Twin Stars this this weekend. So uh, the MPSL North has a has a tendency to to laugh at people's plans and expectations, and uh, I wouldn't be Absolutely. surprised if it does that in some form by the end of the season. So this weekend we get Minneapolis City hosting Med City. That'll be a big one. Um, Duluth and Dakota Fusion, the first of those uh, of those matchups, as you mentioned, Dom, taking place. Joy Athletic welcomes the Twin Stars to uh, St. Louis Park. And then Lacrosse Eris makes the long trip west. That is west, right? That is west. Uh, directions. Uh, to Sioux Falls to take on the Thunder. So um, after this weekend, maybe we'll see some storylines start to emerge and some narratives change in the NPSL, or maybe things will stay the same. Moving over now to the UPSL, and we are coming down to the wire here, Dom. Last week's results saw Valora get a win and now are one win away themselves from securing first place and their second uh, conference championship into a regular season conference championship in two years, I should say, um, or in three years. Uh, Minneapolis City, though, are in the conversation as the futures um, drop two points. But, uh, you know, they do give many FC Minneapolis and Young Stars room to upset, but they do beat Maplebrook three to two last night. And so now 
you get Minneapolis City right there in striking distance. Ebisua get their first ever UPSL win, three to one over Brooklyn Knights as well. So here's how the table shakes out with uh, one match basically left to go for a lot of these teams. Uh, Vlora is at the top of the table on 23 points. Minneapolis City just two points behind on 21. And then Dakota Youngstars have a uh, shot uh, there on 20 points as well. Because the goal differential is very, very tight between these clubs as well. So although the Youngstars are three points off the top, if they are able to make up that, I believe it's a three-goal goal differential difference, if they win, Vlora loses, and Young Stars outscore or basically out-goal differential Vlora by three, it will be the Young Stars who finish top of the table. If Vlora lose, Minneapolis City gets three points, then it's Minneapolis City who finishes top of the table. So there's so many different things that can happen here over this last week of the season. this kind of reminds me of the kind of the premier league a little bit when you have, you know, you got to, you got to get the champagne ice at multiple locations down because you don't know which one's going to come out, uh, come out on top makes for a very, very exciting finish to the season. Yeah. And it's great that, you know, obviously Valora have had a fantastic year and and they've yet to uh, lose this season, the UPSL, but it's really cool to see a team have that great year and yet somehow still at the end they're only a little bit ahead of everybody and it's very possible if uh if if they get upset uh in uh in this last match which by the way is against austin villa who is not who i'd want to have to play to win a title at the last week of the, the season uh I, you know that that's a really rough matchup actually i'd much rather be playing someone else um yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of room for something interesting to happen here. And and look, if if Flora win that game and get it, they've earned it. They've had a fantastic year. Uh, but like you said, you got some other parties that that are an arm's reach away. And and if they have a little luck, I mean, you know, look, you, you looked at so if you're in uh, Minneapolis City's situation, for example, your last game is against Epizua. That's that's a team that on paper you probably beat given their form this year, uh, that's a much better position to be in than the, to have to beat Austin Villa to, to wrap it up. So uh, I think there's plenty of room for, for some drama here in the, in the last week and a half of matches. That being said, Valora might wrap it up like they have all through the season. And if they do, I mean, that would be huge congratulations to them. Obviously, uh, a great follow-up to their, their title in 2019 and, and a, uh, a chance to impress in, in the playoffs as well. But yeah, again, you know, we've, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, but uh, really pleased with the way the UPSL uh, Midwest West has has taken shape this season. Very competitive teams from kind of all over uh, showing up and performing. Uh, you know, obviously you have you have two Twin City sides that are very much powerhouses in this conference, but you got folks from Sioux Falls, folks from Austin, Minnesota showing up, being competitive. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's really wonderful. And, uh, and great to see all the way to the end, just a competitive conference. That's not always something you get in lower league soccer. Uh, so, yeah, again, just, just really, really pleased to see uh, this conference continue to take shape and, and really mature in terms of its competitive nature. Uh, and really interested to see if Valora can, you know, wrap this thing up this weekend and, and get those points against Austin Villa and, uh, and bring all the more accolades. By the way, shout out to Valora who won. Uh, the Minnesota Cup via the NASL. Uh, yeah. 
this uh, this weekend as well. So if they do win the this uh, conference title this weekend, there'll be one of many uh, shiny things that they're that they're lifting up uh, after that uh, digital double that they got, by the way, on the uh, PlayStation Xbox uh, lower league e-cup tournament. So uh, just a, a really eventful year for Valora, and we'll see if this weekend if they can make it a little extra eventful. So let's go through these scenarios here, Dom, because I'm fascinated by this. So obviously Valora wins. They're 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 the regular season champs. Right. If Vlora draws and Minneapolis City wins, as of now, Minneapolis City actually has the goal differential advantage over Vlora. Oh. So if it's a right. if, if both teams finish 24 points, um, it will be Minneapolis City who takes home the crown, uh, as far as the regular season goes. Right. Now, the Young Stars are in the mix here as well. Three points off the top. They're uh, one goal behind Vlora for a goal differential. So I was wrong. So if it does end up being a situation where um, where Minneapolis City, for some reason, falters uh, or they get, a, they get a draw or a loss and the Young Stars win, maybe Vlora lose as well, and it's Young Stars and Vlora tied at the top of the table, um, the young stars will have to make up that goal differential, uh, that one goal differential with Red right. Floor. So um, that's how it's going to shake out. Um, it, obviously, it seems like it, a lot of things have to go right. A, a lot of upsets have to happen for the young stars to be in contention. But on paper, they are in contention. Now, Dom, correct me if I'm wrong, on-air production meeting here. Um, the, the UPSL Midwest West, it's the same as as always where the top four teams go to playoffs, right? Uh, I, I believe so. I believe that the, the format still for this season is, is that the, yeah, that the top couple teams go to the playoffs, like, like last year conference playoffs. So if that happens now, you talk about the, the, the race for fourth here, um, FC Minneapolis firmly in fourth at the time of recording here with 19 points, Austin Villa, although they are five back actually have a game in hand. So Austin Villa will play two more matches as opposed to the one that everybody else is going to play, it seems. Um, so they have a chance to actually sneak in their first season into that fourth spot as well. So just a lot of, yeah. and and you have, you know, Minneapolis City with 21 points in second, Dakota Youngstars with 20 points in third, FC Minneapolis with 19 points in fourth. So these this top four could really be any almost any combination. Uh, the only thing assured is that FC Minneapolis cannot win the regular season, unfortunately for them. But you know they can go up to that second spot. They can get the third spot. Um, so things aren't necessarily solidified in terms of how the uh, the standings will go and finish at the end of the season for the playoffs as well. And obviously, it's that three team race for the regular season crown too. Yeah, it's and like you said, I mean, even Austin Villa have have something to play for there. I. Yeah, it's it's going to be really entertaining. Um, I, I think more so than even maybe the NPSL will will play out potentially in terms of just how many teams have something to play for here. Again, like I said, from a Valora point of view, I don't think Austin Villa is the team you want to be dealing with right now. All the more so if they have something to play for. Um, yeah, I I I I think we're going to see some really interesting matches. There's there's a couple in the mix here in terms of deciding things that do seem pretty one-sided on paper, but you know even those you never know. Um, you know again from a Minneapolis City perspective, yes, 
Ebisua uh, have not had a great season, and, and therefore that doesn't feel like the that feels like a good team to have to play to to secure your season. But they also did just win their first game. Yep. So I mean, you're not playing them at the best time. Uh, this mm-hmm. is probably the worst time to be playing them if you have you know when you're going to play them. So, uh, and you know it's a home game for City, but they're both they're both Twin Cities teams. Obviously, there's not a huge travel uh, situation there for for Ebisua. So. You know, uh, I, I think there's plenty of room for for some drama really across that what top five six uh, teams, and uh, you know, Maplebrook, who are, are points wise out of that race that we're discussing, they play uh, FC Minneapolis after almost getting a point off of Minneapolis City in that that three two win uh, this week. I mean, there's there's a lot of room for interesting things to happen. So uh, it's really encouraging to see. It's really encouraging to see, and I, and I hope that this continues to be a characteristic of the UPSL in, the, in Minnesota and in the Dakotas as well, uh, just in terms of continuing to really develop as this really competitive place for uh, for amateur soccer. Absolutely. So this weekend's matches, Turbo hosts Rochester, hosts Rochester FC. Maple Brook welcomes FC Minneapolis. Ebisua goes to Ador Nelson Field, take on Minneapolis City. Uh, Brooklyn Knights host Maple Brook. Austin Villa goes to Vlora uh, and then goes to Rochester FC to finish off their season early next week. And then Granite City hosts Turbo. So those are the matchups as we get down to the end of the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division season. Moving over to the Wisconsin side, or excuse me, before we move over to the Wisconsin side, sorry, you have the WPSL and the WPASL. So it's very easy to get these two confused on the notes, but we are going to go uh, to the WPSL and the Northern Conference there, where it's kind of the same the same story that we've been talking about, but another team sort of poking their head in to the uh, to the top there. So Salvo top Minnesota Thunder and Dakota Fusion to make it four wins from four games. So obviously that puts them top of the table. We talked about Sioux Falls City um, and the Thunder last week, but we did not talk about Maplebrook. Now, Maplebrook has gotten a couple results, and they're now tied for second with nine points, but Sioux Falls do have the game in hand. And similar to the USLW League, Dom, this WPSL season is very, very short. So although it feels like it just started, um, you're really only a a few weeks away here from the finish line. So gather ye points while ye may at this point uh, to put yourself in position. Obviously, Salvo has done that. We have Sioux Falls, Maple Brook, and Minnesota Thunder right there as well. New club, Manitou FC, is off to a rough start with two close 2-0 losses in the last week. But it seems to be Minnesota Thunder at the top with those uh, with those three horses in Sioux Falls, Maple Brook, and Thunder chasing them. Yeah, and Salvo, Salvo as well in that mix. Um, but... Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Salvo at the top with yeah. Sioux Falls, Maple Brook, and Thunder uh, chasing them. But yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a very condensed season, but uh, but there's certainly some room for the interesting things to happen here, especially if Sioux Falls City uh, win that game in hand and 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 match Salvo's record. Uh, yeah, I think we got, you know, it, it does already seem like we kind of know the, the, the group of teams that are going to really be fighting for this one, uh, which is all right. That's, that's going to happen at some point. Um, but they're all performing really well. Some of them have, have yet to really drop any points. And uh, very curious to see uh, a Salvo Sioux Falls meeting, for example. I think that'll be a really interesting match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is a mix of the usual powers uh, with with some some new kids on the block. But um, I, I think it's making for a really interesting start to the season, and and I I, I look forward to seeing uh, 
particularly, you know, we have talked about them quite a bit, but I am interested in seeing how, how Sioux Falls match up, especially with Salvo now, who's kind of showing up as, as the real powerhouse here. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And uh, I, I, I hope that uh, the, the intensity of, of the season continues as, as things move forward. And, you know, it, it's very complementary to the, like you said, it's a very apt comparison, but it's very complementary to um, the, the, the energy and the momentum that you're seeing in the W League. Both these conferences up here in those two respective leagues really getting off to a hot start, teams playing really high level soccer, getting big wins. Uh, it's really exciting to see. And we wrap things up, as always, on the Wisconsin side with the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League, Wapassel. And it's all about Bateau. Uh, we had sort of been talking about them as uh, playing uh, third fiddle to Union Eau Claire and Hayward, but they have spent the last week making an absolute statement uh, as they dominate Spartan 15-1. to 1. That's not a typo. 15-1, to 1, the final, just this past weekend. That's, for those of you keeping score at home, that's now 22 goals in the last two matches for Bateau. And this sets up a very, very interesting inaugural Eau Claire Derby this weekend with Bateau coming off this, this scorching hot streak against top of the table Union Eau Claire. Um, hopefully, I believe they're, they're usually, if, it's, if Bateau is involved, there is some sort of stream. Usually it's on Facebook. Um, my, my eyes are going to be on this match because it's very, the, uh, just very, very intriguing. These two teams obviously in the same city, but converging at this particular time, it's that perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously Union Eau Claire performing so well, particularly from that certain Duke team context. But yeah, I mean, this, this first uh, iteration of this rivalry that we're going to see is, is, becoming it already was i think something everyone was looking forward to but uh it, it's becoming sort of the headline of the whole season potentially uh just with the form that both teams are in and you know on a on a sort of personal note like as a as a guy from that part of the world from that sort of central western wisconsin in my case rural falls which is not too far from eau claire um really just cool to like see a soccer match with this context to it and this sort of like fun hype to it even exist in, uh, in, in my neck of the woods and uh, really encouraging to the growth of the WPSL. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, the way this match goes, just in the way that unions match against uh, Hayward, obviously had a, a major influence on both teams seasons. Uh, the way this match goes is going to have a huge, huge impact on the, on the, the race for the title here. So, uh, if, if you ever needed reason to invest in the first iteration of a rivalry, I, I think they provided it to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, both teams scoring quite a bit of goals at the moment, uh, but to, a little more so. Uh, but you know, Union obviously playing very well, and yeah, I really look forward to seeing how these two match up. I, I, I hope that the the hype results in in a, in a really fun competitive match. Uh, and, you know, I have to say, it's really fun to see Union Eau Claire performing as well as they are as a new team. I think that if they do win this one, I think there's going to be a lot of folks, a lot of sort of neutrals and, you know, social media uh, sort of folks that just follow the lead. I think they're going to, I think there's going to be a very warm reception to their success if it comes. So 
I, I, I'm curious to see, you know, if they can carry that support, that momentum with them onto the pitch. I'm sure the Wapassel memes Twitter account is locked and loaded for whatever <laughs> result uh, is going to happen this weekend. Um, only one podcast starts with uh, MLS streaming rights talk and ends with northern northwestern wisconsin soccer talk and that is ten thousand pitches uh we appreciate you appreciating us we're quirky but we love it um hour and a half of great soccer conversation this week but the fun is not over friends as if you head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer a little 10k stoppage time segment with myself and dominic jose bazonio about an NPSL North team playing a closed door friendly with MNUFC two. We'll tell you who it is and how it went over at soda soccer or patreon.com slash soda soccer for 10 K stoppage time. So check us out there. And as far as the 10,000 pitches podcast goes, as always, we are back next week. Enjoy the return of Minnesota United. Enjoy all the great action this weekend. And we will catch you next time.